So how do moms like us become the best parents we can be while also making time for self-care, creativity, and projects that matter? Parenting and raising humans can be hard. Being a mother and changemaker can be even harder, but it's a heck of a lot more rewarding. With the right mindset, support, and systems in place, moms can have a huge positive impact on the lives of their families, communities, and society as a whole. Unfortunately, and still to this day, cultural norms and traditions try to pigeonhole us into one role or another, perpetuating feelings of mom guilt when they shouldn't be there in the first place. Hi there, I'm Roy Loy, host of the Insider Mom Podcast. Each week, we'll be covering topics and inspirational stories that aim to help mamas break through barriers, release perfection, cultural norms, and mom guilt to become the women, parents, and change makers we're meant to be. So take a deep breath, relax your shoulders, and let's dive right in. Marcy is a board-certified women's health physical therapist and has a passion to change the way women are cared for during and after their pregnancies. She created the DT Method, a series of online programs and courses for birth prep and postpartum recovery. She developed the new standard for preparing for delivery and recovering successfully after birth. She's the proud mama bear to two boys, drives a minivan shamelessly, and loves the ocean, horses, and a good glass of wine. Follow her on Instagram at the Down There Doc to learn more than you want to know about vaginas and to find links to podcasts, blog posts, and other publications related to pelvic floor health. And before we dive into the podcast episode, I wanted to let you know that Marcy and I had a discussion prior to this about pelvic floor health and also how she became a women's health physical therapist prior to becoming a mom. She talked about her birth experiences and the importance of having information and knowledge regarding the pelvic floor and core area and the importance of strengthening it. So Starting off with this interview on the podcast, we discuss scar tissue and how women who have it can help heal it so that they don't experience pain. And she also discusses ways women can strengthen their pelvic floor and core muscles. So let's welcome Marcy Crouch. All right. So, hey, Marcy, I wanted to ask you regarding scar tissue, what can women do if they've had tearing or um, they've had an episiotomy and it's been stitched up and they have pain during sex at like the first year after birth? What can they do to get rid of that scar tissue or not necessarily get rid of it, but soften it so that there is no more pain? And how long does that take? Yeah, this is a great question. So, things that I tell my moms all the time is that scar tissue is normal, right? Like we, our body lays down scar tissue when we have a wound, right? And so that's what is supposed to happen. But the problem is, is that scar tissue lays down like very haphazardly and kind of like a matrix pattern. And what can happen is that the layers of tissue that um, we're used to, like muscles, nerve, fascia, skin, all generally kind of slide and glide. And when there's scar tissue in there, the scar tissue can kind of bind down those layers and make it more difficult for tissues to stretch and move and be supple. And that can cause nerve irritation, muscle tightness, and the scar tissue itself can be very painful. Okay. And remember we have like a million nerves in our vagina. So all of that kind of gives is like sets us up for having pain with any sort of vaginal penetration, tampons, fingers, penis, vibrator, speculum, whatever. So what we work on in therapy and what I talk about in my course is that the goal is to basically create space and movement. Okay. So we don't like 
break up scar tissue. We soften it and we encourage mobility. And this is true for any type of scar, C-section scar, episiotomy scar, perineal tearing scar. So we really want to um, make sure that that scar tissue can move in all planes and that it's not like bogging down surrounding tissue. Because in order for something to go into the vaginal canal, those structures have to open and release. And if the scar tissue is like holding them down, it's going to be a lot more challenging and that can cause pain. Um, so we go through this, like, like I said, the entire week of my course is um, return to sex. And I teach women how to, to manually mobilize the scar and soften it along with specific stretches and exercises that are biased towards pelvic floor lengthening, scar kind of stretching, opening, dropping those muscles down. Um, and then I teach them how to use lubrication the right way because um, there is a right way to, to use lubrication and what lubrication is best for postpartum skin. Um, and it's kind of like we work on those structures, the scars and tight muscles and the fascia, like we work on anything else. So it's like type of like a manual therapy that women can do on their own coupled with the stretches um, can really make a big difference. Um, it does take time. You know, it does take time, especially if we're breastfeeding and we haven't gotten our periods back. There is a hormonal component to this too, just like the sensitivity of the tissue. Um, there are studies that show, you know, nine out of 10 women have pain with sex the first time after baby. And then at 18 months postpartum, a quarter of those women are still experiencing pain. So there are a lot of factors that go into this. Um, but generally, women tend to do very well once we start to like work on these structures. Um, and like I said, you know, babies get heavier. Hormones are are definitely a part of this. Um, so the further out we get, the the better, but it doesn't just go away on its own. Sometimes like some women are like, oh yeah, I was totally fine. And, but the majority of them are like, I've been waiting, I've been waiting, I've been waiting. I mean, I just got a message today on Instagram from somebody that was like, I had my, my baby two years ago and it still hurts. And I hear that all the time. So it doesn't just spontaneously go away. There's not like a magic time frame, um, but we can encourage it and kind of like make that um, recovery process easier. I like that, that outlook, outlook of making the recovery process easier and also softening, you know, the scar tissue. And when it comes to softening it is like, are the exercises or massage you do, is it very similar to perennial massage? Yeah, very similar. It's the same kind of idea. Like we're trying to um, mobilize the tissue. We're decreasing muscle spasm. We're increasing space. We're increasing fascial mobility. Yes, it's kind of all the same. We use sometimes we use things called vaginal dilators to help us, um, or wands that are specifically designed for vaginal work um, to kind of get around some corners <laughs> to work in some areas. So yeah, it's all it's similar. Very very similar. And that's a crazy stat you mentioned, like nine out of 10 women. That is a lot. Like, yeah, like everyone. Yeah, everyone always. So, so my question is, is that six week period that they say you should be ready to have sex after birth, is that realistic? No. I mean, the six week, <laughs> no, with a caveat, the six week mark is tissue healing. So from like a physiologic standpoint, wounds are healed generally, generally speaking, around six to eight weeks. Scar tissue is laid down 
like there's no stitches anymore generally like we're done bleeding around that time but that doesn't mean that you should be having sex like it, if you don't want to be but they say that it's like safe to put something in the vaginal canal at six weeks because now like there's, you know, the risk of infection is less and that sort of thing. However, scar remodeling can take up to 12 to 18 months. I mean, it's not like a magic, something magic happens at six weeks. It's like, okay, now we're not bleeding as much and stitches are dissolved and like scar tissue has laid down. So there's not like a risk of, you know, reopening or having other things happen, but there still can be, you know, um, I had some granulation tissue develop, which is um, a complication sometimes that happens from, from wounds and scars at like 10 weeks postpartum. And I was like, what? I'm like, is this a period? Like, what the hell is this? And it was granulation tissue that they had to remove. So, you know, it's different for everyone, but, but no, I mean, I think, you know, if you want to have sex at six weeks and you feel ready, then I think you should do that. And if you don't feel ready, I think that's totally fine. And, you know, I always tell people like, you get a, you get a free pass for like a year if you want. Yeah. I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Cause I've heard, I've heard, yeah. Anywhere from between six months to a year for a lot of moms, you know, it takes, it can take time to heal for sure. Yeah, for sure. And like, just from an emotional standpoint, you know, like, I don't know, at least for me, I was like, when she, my doctor was like, Oh yeah, six weeks are good. And I was like, am I the only one that just remembered what came out of there? Like <laughs> all of you guys were in the room. You saw it, you saw it, you were there, you witnessed it. Like, hello, that thing just came out. Like, I'm not putting anything back in. What are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> like, yeah. So I was, I told my husband, I'm like, I'll let you know. And he was fine with it, obviously. That's, that's incredible. And your story of your births that you had mentioned earlier prior to this discussion where, you know, it was a lot harder for your first birth, but the second one, it went quickly and it was easier. I mean, mm-hmm. how much does having the right knowledge play in a part or play a part in women being more satisfied after having babies, going Mm -hmm. back to that level of confidence, Mm -hmm. you know, and getting back to their daily routine, getting back to their normal lives. Huge. And I think um, there's actually studies that show this, that quality of life and um, perceived satisfaction with delivery and postpartum and feeling like supported and confident there are studies that support like women having knowledge um, going into these situations, like they leave feeling better. Um, So, I mean, I think from like a physiologic standpoint, like there was birth, we can't control everything about birth, right? Like we, we can't, we try to control the controllables, right? Like the room and the perineal massage and what people we want and what positions and that sort of thing. But like, ultimately those babies are going to do what they want to do. Like I can't, we can prepare the perineum, you know, until the cows come home. But if a baby comes out transverse or like footling breach or like, we can't control for that. So I feel like in my sense, you know, my second baby was flying out and there was nothing that I could do about it or that I did to make that happen, right? Like, however, I knew what to expect because I had been been through it before and I was, and so I like prepared differently. You know, I was like, okay, last time I thought I was going to pass out. So I'm bringing Gatorade. And last time, like, I didn't want to eat that. So I'm going to bring this instead, you know, or I knew that what my vagina felt like. And so I'm going to bring my ice packs and my perineal bottle and I'm going to bring this and bring that. Like I knew what I wanted. So I think 
part of the reason why I created the courses is because like, I want women to know what to expect. So they aren't surprised. And they're like, okay, I know that I can't control this part of it, but I know what's coming and I'm going to be okay because I have these resources and I have this knowledge and I know who to ask and I have a support group in place. So I think, um, I think that is very valuable and I don't think that women get it like from a sense that it's not provided to them, like regularly, you know, you have to kind of go out and find it on your own, like find your team and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, I mean, what people tell me all the time is like, why didn't they tell me this? I wish I had known about this. I would have felt so much better if I knew that this would have happened or if I knew to expect that sex was going to be painful or, and if it wasn't, then that's not as added bonus, but like, I knew what to do about it. You know, it's like, nobody knows this stuff. Yeah. And that, that's great that you provide resources to help others for this. And which brings me to another question as far as myths related to um, incontinence, pelvic floor issues regarding birth. What are some of the top three myths you've heard and what would you say to dispel them? Okay. So I think the top one is that, um, it's normal to leak pee after having a baby. I get that one all the time. You know, we're told a lot like, Oh, you had a baby. That's what it's going to be like now. It's not true. It's, um, common, but it doesn't mean that it's normal. So I would say that like a lot of women experience leaking after having a baby. Um, but that's telling us that something is happening in the system, right? And treatment should not be wearing a pad. Um, pads are helpful and they keep our skin healthy. And if we need them, you know, we use them, but the goal should be heavy to light, not light to heavier as we age. Right. And so, um, I like pads. I, I think that they're a good product, but they are not treatment. And that's what a lot of women are told is that you're leaking. Here's a pad. You had a baby. Here's a pad. You want to run? Here's a pad. Oh, you're leaking through this one. Here's a thicker one. And that's not what should be happening in my opinion. Um, so that's one myth. Um, the second myth I would say, uh, with pelvic floor stuff is that, um, Sometimes women are told that uh, like they can never maybe have a vaginal delivery again um, for whatever reason, if they had, you know, like a bad tear or something like that. And, you know, each case is different. And I always say like, you know, this is a team decision and we should always like bring in the medical professionals to help us too. But I think there's um, lots of things that can be done from like a rehab standpoint to help somebody have a successful vaginal delivery. Um, if there was a a prior trauma. I had a patient who had a fourth degree tear, um, which is a pretty significant tear, you know, into the anal mucosa. She had it repaired in the OR after had, having a baby, had really bad pain for a long time. I saw her in Portland. She got pregnant with her second one, flew down to Los Angeles to see me to get her ready for her second delivery. And then I had a great vaginal delivery. So it's different for everybody, but I think anytime we hear the word like never, we need to look kind of like think about that and, and see, and of course, like safety of the baby and safety of the mother are most important, but there's a lot of like risks and benefits to be weighed. And it's ultimately like, you know, decision of the woman and her team and her partner. And I support whatever decision they do, whether they decide to have a C-section or a vaginal, it's fine with me. I don't care. I just want them to be supported and feel like they are making the decision that is right for them. Um, 
The third myth I would say would be, um, I just had, I just had it and it it left me, (laughs) but I would probably say like going along the lines of, um, the never stuff, like you should never do a sit up after baby. You should never do this. You should never do that. You know, if you're leaking urine, you can't lift, you know, over 25 pounds. If you have prolapse, you can't do this. And it's like, as a physical therapist, we don't like that word. <laughs> we like we like words that we like things. We figure out situations and programs to help women be functional. And you can't just not use your abs. Like we have to get out of bed. So I teach women how to do it like in a safe, appropriate way and kind of get that like never out of there. Like never do planks, never do this. And that's not always the case. What about the difference between a vaginal birth and a C-section, um, is the pelvic floor not affected by women who have C-sections? I hear this a lot, uh, for people who've opted for it, they're doing it because they think it won't, you know, affect their pelvic floor. Is that Mm -hmm. the case? No, it's not. It's a great question. C-sections are not protective of pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, we see less rates in women who have C-section in terms of like, um, leaking urine or vaginal pain because there's not like, you know, a tear or a trauma there. Um, but plenty of women who have had C-sections experience the same sort of pelvic floor dysfunction in terms of prolapse, leaking urine, pain with sex, um, back pain and diastasis. So, um, they're, they're not protective. Um, but you know, there are studies that show, like I said, there's like, you know, maybe less, less rates, but they still experience them. So what can women do if they want to strengthen their core and their pelvic floor? What are the top three tips they could do to strengthen them? After baby, after baby. Yeah. Or even, sorry, one quick question. Even let's say they've had kids, you know, several years ago, like five Mm -hmm. years ago or so, and they just didn't pay attention to that and they want to start. So can you speak to that as well? Yeah, totally. So postpartum is forever. It's not six weeks or 12 weeks. So if, if a mama has had a baby 16 years ago, then she's still postpartum in my opinion, (laughs) it never goes away. Um, so I always start out with like functional pelvic floor exercises and core exercises. So what that means is I'm a big fan of incorporating the core, which is like your deep abdominals, your breath. So we have to get the diaphragm working too in with your pelvic floor all at the same time. And I want that starting to activate and working at the correct time. Like timing is a big kind of um, piece of the puzzle here. Like those three structures sometimes don't get contracted at the same time. Like their kind of synchrony becomes um, off after baby. So um, functional pelvic floor exercises is usually where I start people. And so that basically means like teaching them how to engage pelvic floor with abs, with breathing while they're like getting up from a chair or when they're rolling over in bed or they're lifting to pick somebody up. Um, because like we don't leak urine when we're just sitting down, you know, we leak urine when we're moving, when we're sneezing, when we're exercising. So we need to make sure that the pelvic floor in the system is working in those positions. Now, sometimes, you know, we do have to kind of get our foundation going and lay the groundwork in static positions where we don't have gravity and we don't have load, you know, but it's not just an isolated contraction of your vaginal muscles. Like we've been taught our whole life, like we don't just sit at a red light 
and squeeze our vagina to get our pelvic floor strong. Like we have to incorporate it with all of these moving pieces. Um, so I think that's usually where I start people is like coordinating the breath, um, getting the abdomen working and then bringing pelvic floor in. And then once we have all three pieces together, then we start to, um, make the movements more challenging and more specific to like what that person needs. You know, if it's like a runner that's leaking urine at mile five, then we have to build up to that. If it's somebody that's only leaking urine when they're sneezing, then we build up to that. So it just kind of depends. Um, but it's a lot more complicated than just like squeezing your vagina. Like, and it needs to be brought in throughout the day to have long lasting benefits and to continue to build strength and motor control and endurance. Cause strength is just one piece. Like we have to have the endurance and we have to have the correct timing, which is like a neuro thing um, of all of the muscles together. I'm really glad you brought that up because a lot of people talk about, oh, well, you need to practice your kegels after birth or, you know, just focusing on that one area. And you talked about a symphony of muscles, like working together. And basically you can see the importance of working on the core and the pelvic floor. Is it like almost at the same time or are there exercises that you can do that, you know, bring them all together? And what are those exercises? So yeah, it is, um, ideally in a perfect world, they all work at the same time. They're called synergists. So that means that they all kind of like fire and function in a pattern and, um, at like specific times. But oftentimes when we are teaching this, we have to break it down and isolate them to start to rehab appropriately. And then we like bring them in all together. So the specific exercises vary just depending on like what people do, like where kind of their baseline is. Um, but what I usually start with are like just diaphragmatic breathing to start to get the diaphragm going. Cause it's been smushed up for nine months. So we have to like teach it to move. Um, and then I start to bring in like lower abdominal. So transverse abdominus is kind of the one that I like to focus on. So there are some specific exercises that target that. Um, and then we add in the pelvic floor with that. And then once we have all three components, then we can add that. That's what I call the foundation into other types of exercises like squats or marches or bridges or upper extremity work or side lunges or what, like, but all that whole foundation has to be in prior to progressing up because we're just going to lose it. And then the load is going to be too great for the pelvic floor. Then that's where we see symptoms, prolapse, pain, leaking. So we have to progress up like we would progress up an athlete. It's the same, same idea, same structures. Muscle physiology is the same. So we have to like load it progressively and we have to continue to load it to see changes in strength and hypertrophy. That's fascinating. That's really cool though. And to know that there is a solution for any moms out there who might be listening and might be struggling right now, or might even be expecting and not knowing what to do, know, to know yeah. that there's information and resources out there. It's truly, mm -hmm. truly helpful. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that leads me to asking you, um, is there a motto you live by? Oh gosh. <laughs> it depends on the day. I feel like, um, I mean, I tell my patients this all the time and it's something that I have to rem remind myself too, that it's like, we just have to give ourselves a little bit of grace and we are proud of the small victories. So I think, you know, we see small changes and small changes make like a 
you know, in the long run, when we add up all these small changes, it makes a huge difference. And that's really what we need as moms is like, we do these little tweaks and, and like that is important and valuable. So these, these like small victories are really big wins, you know, kind of in the long run. That's beautiful. That's great. So, um, where can people find you? Um, they can find me (laughs) drinking coffee in the corner of my house. No, um, Instagram. So I'm on Instagram a lot. My um, handle is the down there doc. Um, so that is a place um, where people can connect with me. I am on Facebook. Marcy Crouch PT is on there and I have my business page on there as well. Um, I've got two private Facebook groups. Those are for the members of the course. So if people want to get into the course, then they get into the private Facebook groups, which are awesome because there's like really great moms in there and we share stories and my prep and prevent group that just went through the first one are all posting pictures of their babies. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like, I love it. Um, and then my website is marcycrouch.com and all of those, um, have like my email on there and you can email me or email my assistant. And, um, yeah, but usually Instagram is kind of the big one. I can really only handle like one social media platform. <laughs> like I, I can't understand. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I don't know how to use Facebook. So it's like too much. No worries. And so, so can people find your courses on your website? Yes, they can. So there's on my website, marcycrouch.com. There's a tab at the top that says the DT method and they can click on that. And then I also have them linked to my Instagram. So if you go to my bio, um, it's like a link tree, just click on the first link. It'll say, you know, foundations or DT method, and it'll take you right to the course page. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Marcy. Of course. Thank you for having me. No problem. It was lovely chatting. All right, that's it for this episode of the Insider Mom podcast. If you want to join us on social, make sure to go to facebook.com slash the Insider Mom or on Instagram at the Insider Mom or Pinterest at the Insider Mom. So if you also want to become an Insider Mom VIP and get some really cool tips and information that we only share via email in our weekly email, go to insidermom.com and sign up to become an Insider Mom VIP. We hope you join us and we hope you've enjoyed this interview. Stay well until next time. See you then. Bye.